Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to the Guys and Ties podcast. This is Dustin. And as usual, I've got Rob. Wait, this is weird. I've got Rob in the room with me. Rob, how are you doing? Great, man. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been several months, in fact. Several months since we've done it in person. I think the last one was it was during the football season. It was right before the football season because it was right after I moved into my new apartment. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been like August or September. It's too long. It's too long. And and uh, this sounds a lot better, in my opinion, oh, than, <laughs> than having you on the phone. I mean, I love you on the phone, but I think having you in person is a lot better. Anyway, good to have Rob here. And uh, we're excited to talk today. We're going to talk a lot of basketball. We're going to talk about the rotation. We're going to talk about the ACC like kind of sucking this year. And I think we're going to maybe talk about some players and how they're doing. But first, we want to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect and the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. UVA football is the softest bunch of cream puffs, bow tie wearing, brie cheese eating, NASCAR wearing wussies I've ever seen in my life. I'm gonna punch people from UVA right in the neck. They wear suits to games. <laughs> That's absurd. So it is Sunday. It's almost three. We're we're watching the Titans Ravens game at the same time. So uh, just waiting for the Saints to play the Bears later. And Rob's poor football team lost last night. Although they gave it a good run. I like for, Taylor Heineke. Yeah, I don't know if he's the answer, but he's fun. <laughs> he he uh, yeah he was certainly a player that was on the team last night. Yeah, who played quarterback. <laughs> he, was there. he was there and. He, I mean, he had 350 passing yards, so like, I don't know. Is that good? I mean, he tried. I like the ESPN headline was Brady outduels Heineke. <laughs> and I was like, hey, like if you put him in even like two the words same each other, as Brady. I'm okay with that. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that was, I'm sorry. But hopefully the Saints <laughs> do better than that. They play the Bears. I don't really trust the Bears, although Saints have had awful, awful playoff in, uh, in the past couple of years. So Some rough luck. I guess we'll see what happens. Anyway, uh, that will happen probably after this is up. So um, at this point, you're either agreeing with me, like, yeah, the Saints are really good, probably going to beat the Packers and go to the Super Bowl, or you're going to say, suck it, Dustin, Saints suck. <laughs> um, but yeah, I guess I guess we'll find out. So we're going to talk about basketball today, and I think the season's been kind of up and down for me, and I know that 
it's been difficult at times to get really invested in this season. Like a lot of times, like I'm watching basketball at all times. I am uh, checking scores on my on my phone. I am on Ken Palm a lot. But this year, it's kind of like when UVA is not playing and we didn't play for what 18 days or so in December. Mm-hmm. It's been more difficult for me to get invested in the season. Oh, I totally feel that. I mean, to just kind of have games that could be canceled at any moment's notice, you know, like we, like you said, like we had the Kent State game and then we have three games postponed in a row and Michigan State, Wake Forest and Villanova. And then, you know, we kind of had the tech game like slipped out from under our feet. And I mean, I can tell you from, from uh, football, I mean, I would get so invested in football, so ready to go. And then like the Virginia Tech game canceled, the Mm -hmm. Florida State game canceled. So I'm like, just have this perspective now that like, for better or worse, I feel like I can't get can't just like plan my life around games like I want to because <laughs> it's it, you get your heart ripped out right and like look at the Wake Forest game on Wednesday you know it was moved from 8 30 to 2 30 which pissed a lot of people off and now they just moved just moved it today from 2 30 to 4 30 which is better I guess and but yeah it's it's tough to plan your life when all these games are getting canceled or or they are you know getting postponed and so I think we just got to get used to it. I think it's tough on players too because players are certainly, you know, there's some players who have, you know, picked it up a little bit, but there's also some players who haven't really looked themselves this whole season. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be tough on the players. It's got to be tough on the coaches. I mean, you see that even with just the teams in general in college basketball, you know. Um, I don't know. I still think it's a little bit too early in the season to say, you know, who's we have ideas who the better and not so good teams are. But I'm sure like a young team just in general. I mean, you look at a Kentucky, for example, would Kentucky have benefited if, Mm -hmm. you know, there was more continuity in the schedule, a young team? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think it's interesting to think about it that way. Yeah, it's true. And like Gonzaga is, I think, by far and away the best team in the country right now. I think they're going to go undefeated. And I think they're going to win the tournament. But um, they've got a lot of veteran players. They haven't really... They've had some games postponed or canceled, but not because, not on their part. So they've had been able to have people in practice and stuff. And, and they've been doing a great job of keeping their program uh, safe during this time. So I think it's important like to look at when how programs are doing this. And clearly the UVA program has had a lot of struggles with COVID and keeping themselves safe. You know, we've had a lot of players out, you know, most of our coaches were gone. Like every coach, every coach except Tony was in COVID (laughs) protocol uh, for the, it was the, wait, I'm, it was the uh, Notre Dame. Was it Wake Forest or Notre Dame? It was Wake. I'm sorry. It was no, it was Wake. Um, I had a mind blank there, but yeah, we had two, we had uh, our, the athletic director for basketball was a coach for that day, Ronnie Wiseman. He was yeah. brought up as a coach. So like it was just crazy stuff. Like and it's I think it's hard for players too to get invested in a season where, you know, they might you know, you get ready for a game, you travel up there and then it might not happen. So I think that's tough. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know we as a football team kind of raised hell that we had already traveled to Florida State, but mm-hmm. like when that Michigan State game was canceled, Michigan State had traveled yeah. to Charlottesville. So, you know, two edges to each sword, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. It's like like this basketball season, we finally know what it's like to have games canceled oh, because, yeah, because of us. Of us. <laughs> yeah, like Villanova, Michigan State, the Wake Forest game, the Virginia Tech game as well. It's just, yeah, it's been kind of weird. And I, and hard to hard to get used to that, I think. 
Yeah. I mean, the only, I know we've talked about this, but there's just no margin for error in basketball. Everyone's mm-hmm. together in the same room. All the coaches are together. Like if one person has any contact tracing issues, then everyone has contact yeah. tracing issues. Yeah, like that's why the whole coaching staff was yeah. out. <laughs> and for some Tony, re- Tony yeah, for did a good job, I guess. Tony's just ignoring, like keeping away from He's everyone. He's in the like head honcho office. Everyone yeah. else is below him maybe. Yeah. <laughs> He's zooming with everyone during practice. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how he didn't get contact tracing but anyway um so what we're gonna talk i think what i'd like to talk about first is the rotation that we've kind of stuck with you know after the gonzaga game i feel like there was a hard reset on this team and i think we went back to some basics and i think that there was a lot of like okay this team is clearly not where it needs to be how do we get there and i think tony has really tightened up the rotation a lot since the Gonzaga game. Yeah. And, you know, some of that was by necessity too. You know, we've Mm -hmm. had um, Cody Statman has a non COVID health issue that's keeping him out. So that's one player who saw time earlier that um, isn't playing right now. Uh, We have Casey Morsell who's in COVID protocols. So he hasn't played the past two games. So there's a little bit, Caden Shadrick was out with a um, not COVID issue as well Mm -hmm. against Boston College. So that's, you know, if you want to say helped, I mean, that's helped, I guess, tighten the rotation up. But we've also seen now the same starting five for the second game in a row. And in each of those games, all five of those players played at least 25 minutes. And if you exclude Jay Huff from that calculation, all five of the starting uh, players played at least 36 minutes. Um, so it's kind of interesting how it's tightened up. Of course, the new starting five, these past two games being Kihei Clark, Reese Speakman, Sam Hauser, Trey Murphy, and Jay Huff. So how do you feel about that? How do you like that lineup? I think it's good. I think it's great for our offense and we're, we, we're going to mention this a lot today, but our, our defense is not as good as it has been in recent years, especially from last year's team. Last year's team was historically good. At defense, and I think that's really all we had last year. Our offense oh, was yeah. <laughs> no good last year, and even though we found ways to win, it was because of our defense. And only our team only had to score fifty or so points a game in order to win. This year is different. We have uh, people like Sam Hauser coming in, Trey Murphy coming in. Both of them are uh, high volume scorers. We have Jay Huff, who has. Um, in the past couple games, definitely taken his game up a little bit. He seems more consistent. He seems better down low. It, to me, he seems more confident in his in his shots. So that's been good to see. And of course, uh, Reese Beekman has been coming into his own as well, playing really well on the defensive end, locking down some guys and getting. He had five steals against Boston College, yeah, which is nice. great. And Kihei Clark is really steady. He's shown flashes of some really great plays, and he's limited those turnovers that were just driving people crazy during the Gonzaga game. And, you know, we saw something like that from him at the beginning of last year, too, where he was forcing things, turning the ball over. And it's because he felt like he had to do so much to keep his team in it. And now that Hauser's kind of, you know, more adjusted, Trey Murphy's getting more adjusted, Jay Huff is remembering that he is the best player on the court at all times. <laughs> it's easier for Kihei to not force things like that. Yeah, and, you know, I also think having just Reese Beekman playing these past two games, listen, he's played 37 minutes each of the past two games against Wake Forest and Boston College. I think having another ball handler on the floor helps ease that pressure for sure. And, you know, Kihei Clark, 
you know, I, there's some great players on this team still. And I still think the ceiling is really high on this team, although we're kind of readjusting expectations a little bit as far as, you know, I don't think Sam Hauser, I think he's a good player. I don't think he's necessarily what he was billed to be last year, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, same with Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy I exceeded my expectations, but he's also a little bit of a different player than I thought he'd be too. So all that to say, you know, Kihei Clark, he was really initiating everything these like to start the season offensively that mm-hmm. is um and having Reese Beekman in there as a second ball handler someone else who can also take people off the dribble you know we saw how good he was against Wake Forest doing that he wasn't as aggressive against Boston College but I think we've kind of seen what that potential is uh with him so I think having him on the floor really helps you know ease things on Kihei well especially on the offensive end you know because we've got Sam Hauser who really can take anyone either if he he can post them up if they're smaller he can step back on them if they are a little bit bigger and slower than him so he's been really great and I mean I know so let's take a look at Sam Hauser for a sec because you said his the expectation for him was like coming in and basically changing the way this offense is run I mean, the expectation was probably all American right exactly and so he was I mean he was voted the ACC preseason play of the year he was I thought who would be ACC ACC preseason player of the year at this point is probably looking like that's not going to happen. He's averaging 13.7 points per game so far. He is shooting 48 48.5% from the field and only 34% from the three. He is shooting 75% from the free throw line. Both of uh, those last two are career lows for him. I think also the 48% from the field is a career well no he shot 45 percent last year or two years ago at marquette but he was shooting at a much higher volume and he also scored about 15 points a game for marquette that season so he even though he is leading this team in rebounding and in scoring he get he has about 7.3 i feel like a lot of uva fans expectations were like oh he's going to get 18 points a game he's going to be lights out from three shooting 50 percent he's going to be doing all this stuff and i think that that would be true if UVA didn't play at a slow pace. You know, mm-hmm. I think people forget that this team, its heart and soul is slowing down the game and taking advantage of every possession and getting a good shot. And I think a lot of times Sam Hauser will get that shot, but he has less chances at this point. Yeah, I mean, you always have to, you know, quote unquote, adjust all the UVA statistics just because we do play different right. than other teams. But yeah, I mean... I I think you bring up fair points and, you know, there's this conversations. I've had similar conversations with people about this. You know, is Sam Hauser underperforming? You know, it's mm-hmm. really kind of the question. And like you said, he leads the team in scoring 13.767 points per game, leads the team in rebounding. He's got 66 boards. The next closest is Jay Huff with 53. Um, so I don't, I don't think he's necessarily underperforming. I think he's just a little bit different than what we thought we would be you know i i think he'd be great if we ran an offense where he could just park himself in the corner and just hit threes maybe you could shoot 45 percent a game you know Mm -hmm. um but that's not really what we're doing i think we've seen a lot of transitioning with our offense as far as how that's run um and you know i don't think he's been as lights out a shooter as we expected you know 34 percent um trey murphy is shooting 49 percent from three on Mm -hmm. pretty similar volume so it's just been a little bit different. I would say his rebounding, I think, has come a long 
way from where it was to start the season. I would say the team in general, but you know, Sam Hauser in particular, he had a double double. Um, I think it was against Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So you know, and against Boston College. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, yeah. So I mean, he's he's just a bit different than what we thought. Yeah, yeah, and and it's like you know, if we take a look at the stats for Sam Hauser, let's dive a little bit deeper. So against Marquette. For when he played for Marquette in the 2018-2019 season, of course, that's the season the UVA wins the national championship. Let's not forget that he um, he made he made 88 threes um, out of 219. He took 219 threes in that season. So far, we are we are we've played nine games so far. If none others are canceled or postponed, we will play 24 games in the season. So that means I did some quick calculations on my phone. I'm not a math wizard. Uh, 30. We are 37.5% of the way through the season. So, so far, he has made 16 threes, and he shot 47 of them. And, I mean, his volume is just way lower than it was at Marquette. Um, so that's bringing it down. He is... Um, averaging a career high in rebounds, though. He's averaging 7.3 at Marquette. The last season he played there, uh, two seasons ago, he was averaging 7.2, so it's a little bit higher. Um, he is turning the ball over less. He is fouling a lot less. And um, he is assisting um, about the same as he was. So I think, you know, he's coming here. He had to learn the system a little bit. I think there's been some issues probably with gelling with his teammates a little bit because, you know, there's a lot of new faces, a lot of new people. Like, you know, he's playing with Trey Murphy and Reese Beekman, both who were not on the team last year, couldn't practice with them. I think there's just a lot of new stuff going on. And in a season that's been uh, really changed by COVID, it's difficult to get a good grip on things. So considering all that, I think he's doing just fine, and I think that, you know, we can expect, we should probably expect more from him in terms of his his shooting averages, especially free throws. He's at 75% right now. Two seasons ago, he was at 92%, one of the best in the country. Mm-hmm. Um, but same thing with Kihei. You know, Kihei's even lower than that. Yeah. And I think we just need to, I think we just need to give this team time. And I honestly, I'm encouraged by the last three games. The win at Notre Dame was tough, grinded out. We didn't play that well. Uh, the Wake Forest game, we didn't look good in the first half, came out in the second half, looked a little bit better. And against Boston College, it was the first game in a long time, maybe all season, where I felt really comfortable the whole game. Maybe it was probably that in Towson where I felt yeah. comfortable the whole game. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, we just kind of felt in control, um, yeah. which was nice. Um, even as the score was like kind of close, especially in the first half, you know, it just kind of felt in control. Um, yeah, so, I mean, at risk, you know, we talked about the rotation a little bit. It looks like it might be settling down, you know, at risk of, you know, diving into every player, too many players. Um, you know, is there anything that kind of surprised you about how it looks like this rotation is unfolding or like any player that you thought would have a bigger role or any player you're surprised that has as big a role. Yeah. So I think you well, once again, that's so hard. That's such a yeah, hard Yeah. I mean, because, it's, it's open-ended <laughs> because like one Trey Murphy was not supposed to play the season at all. Yeah. And because of the free eligibility thing, um, he's playing a lot, a lot more than we thought he would. 
I think that Reese Beekman is playing a lot more probably than I thought he would. Mm-hmm. Uh, Casey Morsell is not playing as much because he's been sick. Same thing with Cody Statman. He's been sick for a while, hasn't been playing as much. Uh, we've seen probably less of uh, Jabri Abdur-Rahim than I really thought. I didn't think he'd play a ton. Yep. I thought he would probably play more than he has. He's played almost nothing, really, if I can find the stats. He has played... Um, uh, he's averaging seven minutes a game. Yeah, uh, um, of course. I think that's a little skewed by um, yes. some early season games as yes, well. Yes, exactly, and, the, and especially ones he hasn't played in yeah, at all, exactly. which has been several of them. It's uh, it's been really interesting. I, I mean, you know, McCorkle too. I I think a lot of people expected McCorkle to redshirt this season. We didn't really expect him to get any playing time, and of course, he got two two minutes in the first half. Yeah, against- I was telling you, I was surprised. I was like, wait, it's who's that? Oh, it's that that's McCorkle out there. <laughs> right. I, I'm I'm going to be completely honest and transparent. I was at a baby shower for one of my friends and safely yesterday and was unable to fully focus on the game. Had no idea McCorkle had joined in the game until Rob texted me. And so I think it's just, that goes to show, you know, Tony is still, you know, up for surprises. Honestly, I think one of the biggest surprises for me is Caden Shedrick, you know, when he has been playing, getting more, way more time than I thought. And uh, Francisco Cafaro, Poppy, big Poppy, not getting hardly any time at all. There's been several games that he hasn't played. Uh, he had three minutes against Boston College kind of at the very end. But, you know, he really didn't play at all, mm-hmm. much at all this season. I, I expect there will be times where we use him more depending on the game, especially if a team has a really big, you know, center. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I think he's been kind of bumped in favor of the more athletic Shedrick. Yeah, no, I mean, agree. Um, yeah, I mean, you basically hit everything I was going to say. I mean, I I just think it's interesting because we knew this rotation was going to have to get tighter. Yeah. And, you know, we're starting to see it come a little bit. You know, to me, the most interesting thing right now is really, I was telling you about this beforehand, kind of the evolution of the two-guard spot. You yeah. know, assuming you have Kihei Clark at the one um and then, you know, you have like Hauser and Murphy kind of playing that three, four role. Uh, you know, who's going to be the two guard? Was it going to be Marcel? Was it going to be um, Tomas? Was it going to be Beekman? Beekman seems to have kind of settled in a little bit. And obviously, Casey hasn't been helped by COVID protocols. And, um, you know, Tomas just hasn't, isn't hitting a shot at a clip he was, mm-hmm. um, especially when he was really hot towards the end of last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there's benefits to having. Uh, Beekman in there, um, just as far as ball handler goes, someone who can really initiate things. So, so far to me, maybe that's the biggest surprise. I mean, I think we always knew that Beekman probably had a higher ceiling than those other guys, mm-hmm. um, especially offensively. But to me, that's kind of the most interesting development. But at the same time, like you said, you know, how does McCoy fit in here? I mean, McCoy plays a lot some games and right. then doesn't play at all in other games. So it's still evolving. I think we're getting closer. But, you know, maybe this is a good transition point just to kind of into the schedule in general, because I feel like we do feel better about this team, certainly than we did after the Gonzaga game. because that was bad. Yes. (laughs) But I think it is also important context to realize uh, we're 3-0 in the ACC, but none of the three ACC teams we've played have won a conference game yet. (laughs) Right. And we, of course, our next game is against Notre Dame, who is one of those three winless teams in the conference. So I think, you know, our schedule is pretty front-loaded with easy teams and back-loaded with some of the more uh, conventional powerhouse teams. You know, our last, we've got a stretch 
um, in the last six games. That's versus UNC at home, at Florida State, at Duke. Those are the three games in a row that scare me a lot, probably. And, and not not even because those teams are super good this season. I mean, I think Duke is uh, supreme. This is probably the worst Duke team K has had this decade, mm-hmm. um, if not in the last two decades. And the this UNC team has lost four games this season. They were god-awful last year. And I think that they're still trying to figure out, you know, who's going to run the point guard for them. They've got a bunch of big men. No, no good guards. Like Playtech is playing a lot, and you know he's been there for six years. I feel like he's just <laughs> been there forever. I don't understand why he plays so much. Um, and Florida State's been really good the past couple of years in the ACC. You know, winning the ACC season, winning the regular season last year. I'm not gonna give them the tournament crown, even though the ACC did crown Florida State yeah. the champion <laughs> last year for winning one tournament game whatever um it's whatever <laughs> it's it's whatever but yeah i think you know we play notre dame and we are at clemson and clemson's the highest ranked acc team right now which is kind of weird but uh then we got clemson and then nc state and georgia tech both of which you know have been have had good acc seasons but they've been supremely average in the acc over the past couple of years so i just think you know th- we're gonna get a real I think we're going to get a good sense of this team when we play at Clemson. And if we are ready to play in an environment with fans, I think Clemson's one of the only ACC teams that's allowing fans into the to their stadium. Yep. And they're a good team. They've got uh, some good players on that team. And I, I'll, I'll be ready. I'll be looking forward to see if our defense can hang with Clemson's offense because I think it's our defense this year that is holding us back a little bit, honestly. Yeah, I mean, certainly not what we're used to seeing. I mean, I still think this offense has a ceiling that, you know, is better than what most Tony Bennett offenses have had as far mm-hmm. as scoring goes. But yeah, I mean, the defense, I, I, I was texting a couple of people with this. Um, I forget after which game. It was a couple of games ago. But I was, in my head, I never even worry about defense because people are like, oh, is the defense going to be as good? And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, well, are, are you going to be fifth in Ken Palm? Or are you going to be first, you know? Yeah. But I kind of had... A couple games ago, I had like the first like feeling that like, hey, defense might actually be a problem this year. Yeah. Um, I think we've shown we've tightened it up a little bit these past couple games, but certainly not up to the standards of what we've seen. But yeah, I mean, as far as the ACC goes in general, you know, you look at and the latest AP poll, which will be updated tomorrow on Monday. Um, Virginia Tech and Clemson are tied at 19th. Duke is at 21st. UVA is at 22nd. Florida State's at 25th. But no one's in the top 15. And I know I told you this. I. I think one of the most amazing stats that David Teal pulled out of his bag a couple weeks ago was, you know, whatever week it was, it was sometime in December, was the first AP poll since 1961 that an ACC team has not been ranked inside the top 15. Yeah. Which is, and no one's in the top 15 right now either. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully the schedule sets up so we can build up some confidence now, get our rhythm going, get our rotation settled until we get to the, you know, call it the harder back half of the schedule. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, this ACC just isn't as good as it has been in years past. So hopefully yeah. that helps us. I mean, it should help us. And unfortunately, you know, the Big Ten looks really good this year. They're going to eat themselves up. Uh, clearly, the ACC is having a lot of problems this season. And I don't know if that. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. 
Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. It's just due to COVID or just, you know, a weird year in the ACC, but, you know, this is a down year for sure. I think, you know, we're going to we're gonna get a good sense pretty quickly once we really get the ball rolling in January and February of how good this team actually is and, and who our players are going to be moving forward that are going to take charge. At this point, you know, we've got Kihei running the show at the point got Sam Hauser and Jay Huff really being able to score whenever they want to. Um, can our defense, especially I, I'm looking at Sam Hauser on defense. I've been very critical of him on defense recently. You know, he was guarding Corey Kispert uh, for most of that Gonzaga game when he had a career high and just torched us. Mm-hmm. He also was guarding uh, that guy from their damn Luzicki, Luzicki, Lazuski. Lashevsky, Lashevsky, that's his name. That's how you say it. Um, it's because I remember it was kind of like Shashevsky, but it's Lashevsky. <laughs> yes, he had a career high against us when Sam Hauser was guarding him most of the game, and I think that there's, you know, Sam Hauser's not really, even though he's been here for a year and practiced with us, I still think there's a difference between practice, practicing the pack line defense, and running it in the game. There's been several yeah. times this season where. Sam Hauser has, you know, not gotten back to his man down low. Uh, he's run into our player off of hedges trying to get back. Uh, it's just he's gotten beat off the dribble. He's gotten beat on the threes, not stepping out as far as he should. I think there's just some disconnect between him and defense. And I think he is getting better. I think he played much better on Saturday against Boston College. I think that, you know, we'll see if he, he guards Leshevsky again on Wednesday against Notre Dame. But uh, I think, and I said this, and I want to hear what your take on this, but I said at the beginning of the season, um, UVA will go as far as Sam Hauser will take them. 
And I say that I meant at the time offensively because I felt like he was our best offensive player. At this point, I mean it defensively. Like if he is, I think he is the link, the missing link in our defense at this point. If he is able to turn it on and, you know, you don't have to be a supreme athlete to be good in the pack line defense. Yeah, you just look at Evan Nolte. <laughs> exactly. You just have to know where to be and at what time. You have to put your hands up in traffic. You have to block shots. You have to be able to double the post. Um, you have to be able to hedge, the hard hedge. Mm-hmm. And at this point, if he's able to do that, I think we can be a much better team on defense than what we are. Like Trey Murphy, I think already is a better defender than Sam Hauser. I think just because he's moving better in the defense. Um, granted, I don't think he's guarding the same people that Sam Hauser is, but I think that, you know, he, he's got those super long arms and I think he's, you know, moving in traffic really well and blocking, blocking, um, he's blocked a couple shots and, you know, he's act, active, active hands as you know, mm-hmm. Tony likes to say. I, I just think that at this point, Sam Hauser is going to be either the like savior or the downfall of this team. And I, I don't say that meaning like trying to blame him for things, but like, if he can't play defense, then but he's gonna be on the floor for his offense. I think his offense is too good to bench. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I think the added dimension here that maybe we didn't totally account for in the preseason is just the addition of Trey Murphy as well, right. like you said. And I think that kind of negates the reliance on him totally offensively, which mm-hmm. is a good thing. You know, you want more options, you want more consistent options and you know, right now we have four players averaging in double figures, mm-hmm. um, scoring-wise, being uh, Hauser, Huff, Murphy, and Kihei. I don't remember so, the last time that happened. Yeah, I mean, it's a consistent scoring group, which is yeah. good. You know, I still, like we said, like for Hauser to shoot a little better, especially from three, mm-hmm. but it's a consistent, balanced group, which is nice. Um, you know, defensively, I think, I think you're right. I mean, he's... It's just different. You know, he's being asked to play the four spot a lot. And I mean, think about it. Who normally is playing the four in our system? It's these great athletic big men. You know, mm-hmm. we're talking, if you want to go far enough back, you've got to kill Mitchell, Darion Atkins, Isaiah Wilkins, Mamadi, you know, Braxton sometimes. You know, he's obviously a different player than them. What I think has been encouraging for me, at least these past couple games, is seeing how he's improved as a rebounder. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I kind of, you know, fair or not, I kind of think of him kind of in the Kyle Guy sense, you know, not the greatest individual defender, but you can make it work in the pack line. And Kyle Guy, you know, he's he was maybe generously listed at 6'2", mm-hmm. but he was a great rebounder on the team too. Yeah. And Hauser's really improved rebounding as well. Yeah. So Tony Bennett preaches effort. He preaches, you know, uh, what's the use word? Continuous. Mm-hmm. Um, so he preaches all this stuff. And, you know, you like you said, you don't have to be the best individual defender. I think as we continue to go on, uh, and, you know, again, like you said, um, you know, he was practicing last year, but it wasn't in games. But he was also practicing with different players, a lot of different players last year than those who are playing in games now, too. So a lot of newness, but I have seen improvement, which, you know, gives me hope that I think this, it won't be the most elite defensive team we've ever seen Tony Bennett right. coach, but I think it can be at a pretty good level. We want to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. Football is in full effect, and the playoffs are actually happening right now. And the NBA is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. 
BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure that you get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use the promo code ARMCHAIR, A-R-M-C-H-A-I-R, to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Is this going to be the one of the best offensive teams that we've seen? I mean, we've got players... You know, Sam Hauser, you know, we've talked about improving his his uh, three-point shot and maybe his free throws as well. But, like, we've got Trey Murphy, who is sometimes the best shooter in the country and sometimes the worst shooter in the country. We've got Jay Huff, who is a dynamic player down low and also at, um, off the dribble. He's, he's shown he can take it off the dribble this year, which has been really impressive to me, uh, taking it down low from inside. Um, but I do want to say, you know, we right now we have four players – averaging double figures it is kihei uh trey murphy jay huff and sam hauser those kind of the big four Mm -hmm. um since 2013 2014 season that first year where we really we won the acc for the first time and you know however long and got that number one 76 yeah i still remember that (laughs) yeah and uh got that number one overall or what a number one seed in the acc tournament um we have not had four players average double figures. Most of the time it's three. Um, in 13-14, Malcolm and Joe both averaged in double figures. In 14-15, we had three people, Malcolm, Justin, and Anthony Gill, averaging double figures. In 15-16, we only still had three, that really good team that lost to Syracuse in the Elite Eight. London, uh, AG, and Malcolm all averaged double figures. Malcolm averaging 18.2 points a game, which was insane. Yes. <laughs> Just looking at this right now. Um, and then in 17-18, we only had uh, we had three people. Oh, no, sorry. I, I skipped a year. 16-17, uh, we <laughs> technically had two people averaging double figures. Are we going to put Austin Nichols Austin in there? Austin <laughs> Nichols is on the ESPN site, but really it was only London averaging double figures a game, 12 points a game. Uh, with, that was a really down year for our team. 17-18, we had three, uh, Kyle, Devin, and Ty, all averaging double, averaging double figures. And in 18-19, we still only had three people averaging double figures. It was Ty, De- DeAndre, and uh, Kyle. Um, and, of course, last year we had two, Mamadi and Kihei. Kihei barely making it at 10.8. So I just think you know having four players averaging double figures, four players that can really take you – in so many different ways, you know, Kihei's quick has been really um, good. He's trying to get his floater to drop this year, and sometimes it's working, sometimes it's not. He's had a couple really good takes, uh, especially I think back to the um, Wake game, the Wake Forest game, that take on down low on the baseline where he posted up someone yep. <laughs> and just did a nice little spin move. And of course, Jay Huff and Sam Hauser really prolific scorers down low and on the edge. And Trey Murphy, super athletic, um, shown us some burst and he can shoot it really good some like half the time like i told you this the other day i feel like either he's making everything or he's missing everything like he's either going like 506 or 0 for 8 and there's really no in between <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's really really uh, interesting the way you frame it um you know to me i think kind of the UVA offenses have always been generally efficient. You know, what's kind of killed them at times has been long scoring droughts. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think we saw against Boston College, this UVA team is not immune to yes. those long scoring droughts yes. either. I think it was, I think over eight minutes. That's that a they great point. Scoring. Yeah. Um, that, it was 18 to 16 for so yeah. long. 
No, I literally like remember like I was watching football at the same time and I like watched football for five minutes. I came back in commercial. I was like, how is the score still did, the same? Did my stream freeze? <laughs> did I rewind yeah. the game? How is it still the score? So, I mean, I think we came into the season with the idea that this could be the best UVA offensive team we've mm-hmm. seen in quite some time. I think expectations might have been readjusted a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, you know, this team, hopefully, knock on wood, is going to make the tournament. And really, you know, you just got to get hot in the tournament, as we've yeah. seen, um, you know, for better and for worse with yeah. these EVA teams. So I think they're still learning to do. They're still experimenting with different offenses and what have you. But, you know, if you get to the point and towards the end of the season, getting into postseason play where this thing really starts clicking, you know, I don't know if it'll statistically go down as one of the better offenses. You know, mm-hmm. right now in Ken Palm, we're 35th which is a very fluid number, obviously, but with 35th and adjusted offense, that uh, championship team was second and adjusted offense. But I mean, there's a lot of shooters on this team, you know, a lot of weapons. And, you know, we talk about Reese Beekman at the beginning of this episode, you know, Reese Beekman, if he continues to play more, I think his scoring average of five points a game will increase as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of options on this team. I think it's the easiest way to say it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of potential still and we're still figuring things out. And I think we're getting helped by kind of an easier start to conference play. But, you know, <laughs> I think we've seen what the gap is still between this team and the top, top teams, you yes. know, looking at Gonzaga. But at the same time, you know, there's no reason to think that UVA team can't compete once they put everything together when things clearly were not totally put together against Gonzaga. Right. And I mean, you, we, we've still got players who, you, you talk about Reese Beekman, but also like, you know, Casey is still shooting poorly from three. Hopefully he can. And he's also taken some questionable. He's made some questionable decisions mm-hmm. regarding like step back jumpers on the baseline at random times during the game. I mean, he can take it to the rack. Uh, he's shown that this season. He's still, I think, learning how to where his, what his role is in the offense. If he if he can do that, if he can really choose, take good shots, choose good shots, choose when he's going to do that. Um It'll be a lot better for him. Uh, Cody, you know, a super solid player. He's athletic, can take it to the rack. Really good in transition. That's his best strength. Mm-hmm. Um, also shooting uh, not as good from three. He actually hasn't made a three this season, Cody. Uh, Justin uh, has, I think, some good offensive talent. Still finding, once again, finding his role. And even Caden Shedrick, you know, he has shown flashes of brilliance i'm really excited to see him over the next four years three yeah, years especially next year when jay huff graduates mm-hmm. yeah think. and he's going to be the, probably the starter yeah. at the center um and also tomas you know he has been uh struggling a little bit this season and when we say struggling he's only shooting 35 percent from three which is like pretty good so like last year that would have led the team yeah <laughs> um so like tomas has been struggling he's only playing 15 minutes a game I feel like some of that might be to do with his defense, but mm-hmm. I think, you know, Reese at this point um, is a better ball handler than Tomas for sure. And uh, also is uh, more careful with the ball. You know, Reese has been historically good with not turning the ball over. He has only 0.9 turnovers per game compared to 2.2 assists. So he's doing like, he's trying to do a London Prentice four to one kind of situation. Um, not there yet, but <laughs> certainly trying. I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of um, a lot of different pieces here that are that I'm excited to see, and you know, I'm just I'm I'm ready for this team to, <laughs> to get good. Yeah, 
like, like reach their potential. I, I feel like we still haven't gotten there yet. Oh, I totally think we haven't gotten there yet. I mean, I still think the potential for this team is Final Four level mm-hmm. and still a long way to go until we get there. But if you get there, you know, you've got about two months now before the tournament. If you can get there, there's no reason to think this team can't be as good as what we thought they would be preseason. I mean, I also Virginia teams are historically they build slowly it takes a long time yeah i mean i was thinking about that actually because i mean remember last year at this time yeah you know we were struggling <laughs> and i mean we were struggling bad we were like oh my gosh yeah, this I team mean, is dead the um team that sarah the the team that lost to syracuse in mm-hmm. the elite eight i mean that team was supposed to be so good preseason i mean they lost i think to gw early in the season i think we, they started we lost like three three in a row yeah in the we AC, lost early yeah ACC a couple play. in january we, so i think we were three and three in acc play that year to start off yeah it was it was certainly a struggle for a bit with that team so i mean right. you're all to say you're absolutely right virginia teams historically don't really click until maybe even february the 13 14 team lost to got smacked by green bay tennessee wisconsin and then uh we lose to duke um early in the acc play and then mm-hmm. we reel off i think 12 in a row to finish the season yeah win the acc so you know, it takes a while. This these teams get there. Tony's a great coach. We know that. And, you know, I'm just I'm I'm looking forward to see where this team ends up because, you know, if if Tony could get last year's team to, you know, be second in the ACC after, you know, kind of how dismally they started, um, he can make this team work. Absolutely. And even during COVID, which is just a weird time. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where we are at the end of the season, the regular season and how we go into the tournament. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. I think this is a team that uh, Tony Bennett just has different coaching jobs each year, as does every coach in the country. But last year, we had to saw him really maximize the defensive potential of the team in order to carry us far. I think this year is different, as we've seen with all the different offensive sets. He's really tweaking mm-hmm. the offense and trying to get, and I mean, defense too after that Gonzaga game. Right. But I think the primary focus is getting this team where it needs to go through the offense. So yep. it's a different coaching job, and we've seen Tony Bennett you know, he stays true to his principles, but he's the longer he's been at Virginia, the more and more he's willing to adjust. And yes. I think we're seeing that this year as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. We've seen like what five different offenses this season, which is like crazy. And I think he's really trying to make it so that our players are utilized the best they can. I mean, Jay Huff, he's never going to have a player like that again. I, I don't think Caden can shoot threes at this point. Uh, Jay Huff is taller. I think. I I think they're just completely different players. Jay Huff is a maybe a once in a lifetime kind of player. Sam Hauser too, very unique kind of player mm-hmm. to use. Uh, Trey Murphy, uh, a really good player, a really nice wing player. Uh, you don't find a lot of guys who are like six nine and can move like that. Yeah. So I I'm I'm excited to see what he can do with this, and yeah, I'm just I'm ready to see how we play against Notre Dame, and especially looking forward to that Clemson game uh, over the weekend. Yeah, so that's next Saturday, so that yes. should be fun. Yeah. Rob, anything else to say about this team? How, how are you feeling overall? Let's talk new year, <laughs> new year, 2021. Uh, we're looking to be better. Um, how do you feel about UVA basketball going into the season? The, this Not season, year. Yeah, I mean, I feel better about this team now than I did, you know, than I did about this team in December mm-hmm. I think it's the easiest way to say because December was kind of marred by game cancellations and then of course in San Francisco and Gonzaga <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh yeah I mean it's definitely a positive start to the year um 
so you know hopefully hopefully you just keep chipping away at it but certainly i still don't think i'm quite where i was preseason with this mm-hmm. team oh no. um but no. i feel better hopefully like december was kind of like the low point and we're starting our climb back up if people told me final four or bust and i said that's very extreme and i understand the excitement but like there was clearly some limitations on last year's team and this mm-hmm. year's team basically at the time only had one player that was going to change everything and sam, sam hauser. hauser yeah so like i understand the excitement but this team is very good and i think we're going to get better but i think that final four expectations at this point like i think we i think we make second weekend in the tournament at this point i think um, it's too early to make really predictions i think i think we I, we could yeah that's that's, exactly saying. i think the ceiling is still there yes the ceiling is there the floor is lower yeah <laughs> yeah i think i think for a lot of people it was the floor was higher yeah yeah like how because everyone the, just assumed the defense was going to be as good as it was exactly but we lost our two best defenders from last year's team which, yeah and even though you know braxton key wasn't like a great offensive player he was a great defender mm-hmm. he was a great defender um maybe one of the best that we've had uh like the bring up to the likes of like an akil mitchell or um maybe right below malcolm brogdon yeah. you know kind of elite defender and mamadi too very good defender great so, defender um yeah just you know it's crazy i i feel the same way i feel like i'm very positive i think ever since early april of 2019 i've been very positive <laughs> about this team and honestly i don't think i could ever be negative about this team like even if we had a season like carolina did last year where we just like were terrible Mm-hmm. honestly i think it'd be like yeah we're terrible this year but you know we'll get back and not worried at all so i'm not worried about this team they'll figure it out and if they don't um i'll still love watching them so <laughs> that's where i'm at right now i like it i like it no i mean we're i know i don't want to become the people that says i'll oh, be grateful for tony Bennett, yeah. <laughs> but also I that's am. just kind of in the back of your mind constantly <laughs> I, I am fully in that camp be grateful for tony <laughs> Like he's, yeah, I mean, he's going to be around for as long as he wants. So, and I'm happy with that. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Rob, any last words on uh, basketball before we move on? I don't think there's any f- huge football news that you want to mention. No, only the real football news has been um, the addition of some transfers that mm-hmm. we've seen over the past couple of weeks since our last podcast. Um, so, you know, not to spend a lot of time on those, but we have brought in some transfers, um, one at cornerback out of Louisville. Um, sorry, my computer is freezing right now. Uh Otherwise I would tell you his name. We did also just get, uh, Chico Bennett and from Georgia tech, it looks like he's going to slot in at outside linebacker. Mm -hmm. And we also got, um, Jelani Woods, a tight end out of Oklahoma state. Jelani Woods is like, 270 some pounds like he's a big guy no Mm -hmm. question so um yeah so we're bringing in transfers and you know it seems like most of the roster additions at this point for next year are going to be via transfer doesn't Mm -hmm. look like there's really any high school players um that will look to bring in in the second signing period in february but yeah that's that's about where we're at with football you know we had the big class come in recruiting class that is um, so now we're just kind of tweaking with the roster, which will be a continuous process really until, uh, camp. 
I've got a question for you, Rob, and I think this might be a touchy subject for you, so be prepared. But okay. um, the I don't think we've talked about this on the pod, but over the I think that what three week period where we didn't have a podcast because of you know holidays and you know we were both traveling to see family, um, the announcement for the seniors who were going to stay another year at UVA mm-hmm. was announced, and there was a lot of them. Um, some to be excited about, some to be like, uh, I don't know if we want you to stay. Um, how do you feel overall about the people who are staying at UVA for an extra season? Yeah, you know, I think most of them are positive additions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just going through the list here, the guys whose eligibility would have been um, over, but that are coming back, we have Rashawn Henry. A wide receiver. We have Chris Glazer at guard, mm-hmm. defensive line. We have Mandy Alonzo and Adib Atawaya. Um, outside linebacker, we have Elliot Brown. And at cornerback, or at slash safety, we'll put them all three together Devontae Cross, <laughs> Nick Grant, and Joey Blunt. Yeah. Um, so, generally good. I think Rashawn Henry helps solidify the receiver position. Glazer, I mean, we could legit have a starting offensive line of all seniors next year. You know, depending on how they choose to do the tackles. We love big offensive lines. Yeah, the offensive line them. should be good again next year. Mm-hmm. I think um, at defensive end, you know, we always seem to like look at the roster preseason and be like, oh, like I think we're good on the defensive line. And right. then by the end of the year, we're like, what happened to the defensive they're, line? They're, are, they're all hurt. <laughs> yeah. <or laughs> so gone. I'm, I'm fine with keeping them around. Elliot Brown, I'm curious to see how he'll do at outside linebacker. You know, Noah Taylor will start on one edge. Um, and I'm curious whether Elliot Brown, who's been kind of a career backup to Chris Peace and Charles Snowden, if this fifth year is really the chance for him or if one of the young guys, because we're so talented at outside linebacker, mm-hmm. if one of the young guys comes in. I think the main sticking point here is um, the secondary, because the secondary was yeah. so bad last year. Joey Blunt was out for most of the year. I'm fine with him returning. Mm-hmm. He never redshirted. Meanwhile, Devontae Cross and Nick Grant, both of them had redshirted previously, so this will be a sixth year for them. Mm-hmm. You know, rumor is that, and we've said this, Cross is better at safety than at corner. Mm-hmm. Rumor is they want to move Cross back to safety. I'll believe it when I see Please. it. Please. Please. <laughs> um, so Nick Grant comes in. You know, I think at this position in general, you know, whether Anthony Johnson is the transfer corner from Louisville, um, computer just unfroze. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I think... The secondary in general, look, we're looking at carrying 20 scholarships at this position right now. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. That's way above average. We're normally at about 15. Yeah. So you really want to see some of these young guys step up. I think we've seen some guys in some middle classes that we were hoping grow into roles, you know, a Joe White, a Jalen Baker, you know, they haven't quite grown into those roles yet. So now you're looking at guys, you know, can a Donovan Johnson emerge at safety? Um, can Clary maybe play better a full year removed from his ACL injury mm-hmm. at safety? Is Elijah Gaines, he came in as a safety, looks like he's playing corner now. Is he ready to make the leap? Um, I'm really high on Aiden Ryan at safety. He's going to be a true freshman. Maybe he can step in. Basically what we've seen is, you know, the middle to upperclassmen really haven't performed at the level we wanted to. So, you know, maybe in lieu of bringing in more grad transfers, the staff says maybe it's better to keep a Nick Grant and Devontae Cross. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. It is kind of a touchy subject just because of how poorly this unit performed last year. Yeah. But, um, you know, I think it's I think it'd be really good for the program if these young guys can emerge and grab a role. Yeah. 
we'll yeah. leave it at that. I guess we'll see, you know, where, where they're put next year and, and what the roster looks like more. Maybe in the spring, if there is a spring practice or spring training or and during the summer as well, we'll get a better idea of who is going to be where and kind of what the rotation is going to look like. Um, I think with that, I think we're pretty much done unless anything else you want to mention. No, I think this has been good. It's been good to be together again, mm-hmm. like doing this in person. <laughs> I agree. Well, well, I think we're going to try to do this a little bit more, especially because, you know, I'm not traveling to see any family members who are more at risk. And I think, you know, my fiance just got her first dose of vaccine a couple of weeks ago. So very, very happy for her. And as a teacher, I have no idea when I'm getting mine, but it should be before some other people yeah you, you will be before me yes i know that <laughs> you're you're never getting yours. yeah you're you are not important young, at all <laughs> white not <collar>. that <laughs> i said that wrong not that you're not important but uh bankers i don't think yeah are, <laughs> we're are not yeah on that list. <laughs> um but yeah young healthy banker <laughs> not gonna get your covid vaccine but hopefully yeah hopefully um uh, people are getting theirs and staying safe still and you know, we will uh, be looking to do this a little bit more in person a little bit more often. So, uh, Rob, good to have you here. And I do want to give one shout out. Um, Joe Harris, having an awesome year in the NBA, uh, just led his team to a win over the Sixers recently with Kyrie and Durant both out. Um, so that was incredible for him. Malcolm Brogdon's having an MVP, a fringe MVP season, really leading that Pacers team. Yeah, which has been amazing. Playing on all star level, all star sure. level for sure. Oh yeah, DeAndre Hunter playing a lot better this season. Really uh, figuring out his role on the Hawks and kind of backing up Trey Young really well. Didn't miss anyone in the NBA. Those are the big three, I guess. Kyle Guy's getting he's on the real roster right now. Yeah, he's, he's on the getting re- some time getting as well on the real roster. Uh, not playing a ton, but definitely fun to see him on that roster for sure. And uh, I-, I think I think that's it. Yeah. AG on the Wizards. Oh, yeah. He, he got yeah. some time the other night, he hit too. A three. Hit a three. Yes. <laughs> Apparently, he shoots threes all the yeah. time. Now. Uh, you know, it's weird to think because that when he was at South Carolina before he came to UVA and he shot threes there. Like, that was his thing. Like, he was like a stretch four. Yeah. And at UVA, game. he took maybe well, he was, two or three. He was two for two in his UVA career from three, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one was like a half court heave and a loss. And it I was forget, the North Carolina game. Yeah, and the other was like just throwing up a prayer at the end of the shot clock or something. Yeah, the, the offense was never designed for him to shoot threes. No. We'll say it that way. No, but he was so good down low. I mean, he didn't need to shoot threes. And we had so many good three point shooters on all those teams. You know, London and Malcolm and Joe and you know all that other stuff. So it, he just never needed to. But now he's a three point shooter. Yeah. So um, we'll see if he ever gets. I, I don't think he's going to get a ton of time on that team. But you know, fun to see him there and. Maybe if he's still there next season, we could go see him. You know, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> who knows how it's going to play out? Anyway, um, thanks so much for listening. This has been the Guys and Ties podcast. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Guys and Ties Pod. Make sure to follow us on Spotify and iTunes if you like what you hear at Guys and Ties Pod. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram and Snapchat as well. Now that we're uh, doing this in person, might be some extra bonus content True. on this True. platform. <laughs> We'll see. Who knows? Anyway, uh, appreciate you all listening. Happy New Year. And uh, as always, go Hoos. Go Hoos.